We're very lucky tonight that we have managed to secure the services of Mr. Mark Huxley, um, who has a breadth of knowledge when it comes to building teams, by far. Whether he's an expert or not, we're about to find out in the next 20 minutes. Or so. um, <laughs> never call yourself an expert. <laughs> never call yourself an expert. So we already know that he isn't. Um, uh, um, on, on, on the grounds that... Um, <coughs> so I'd like to invite Mark. Now, while Mark's joining us, um, Mark uh, worked initially for Lloyd's and somehow took a 100-people team to somewhere in the region of 3,000, I think. Is that right? 2,000. Well, I was part of the business that did it. Part that was of my growing up years. And then he, what he did is he does what all good people do, is sell what all they were doing and started to do it. And how many times have you done this now? Mm, 11. 11 times. <laughs> 11 times going from zero to hundreds of people. So oh, it's a great pleasure that I welcome Mark Huxley to the floor. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, so what, what's going to happen is I'm going to kind of uh, talk to Mark and hopefully you can chip in. Now, the idea of this session is very much for you to stick your hand up in there, wave frantically, throw your toupees in there, whatever it is you want to do. That's more of the Guild uh, members that are here. Um, uh, and, and draw our attention and I'll ask, I'll ask questions and throw it to the floor. So, Mark, tell us a little bit about... Go on, I've, I've touched on it, your background. Tell us a little bit about your background. <clears throat> well, picking up... Jeff's point, I think I'm almost the two generation past you. So I've been working 42 years. So looks of a young man, I, I know you're going to find that quite surprising. But So my, my work in life really has been in two halves, as, as Barnaby, Barnaby said there. I, I classically joined the Lloyd's insurance market as a young man, grew up in Lloyd's underwriting syndicates, you know, the big iconic stuff you see on the television. Did that for 20 years, quite rightly worked as an executive in other people's businesses at that point, notably in one that when I joined it was a motor syndicate now called ERS Insurance Equity Red Star was, was what it used to be called. I was the 51st, I think, employee that was in there, but it grew to about 100. But it then grew out up to, I think when I left it, there were two and a half thousand people working in it. And the nice thing for me in that, that time was I was, I was tutored in how to grow those teams, how to be part of it. I was part of the, the T-bit, the breadth of knowledge that started with that, and people invested in me. So by the time I, I come to the end of it and worked out, actually, I just didn't want to work for other people anymore, probably like every person in this room, I wanted to do stuff for me. I think I had a, a good understanding of what I needed to do to, to build robust businesses as businesses, but more importantly, the biggest asset in any business are the people that are going to do it because they're the... They're going to be the wealth generator. They're going to be the, 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 the people that are going to go down the journey with you. And I thought, right, let's do the big brave thing when I was 36, 37. Started, started my first business, which was a, an insurance technical business. It was doing outsourced professional claims management services for the insurance industry. So if you made a claim with direct line, you thought you were talking to them. You weren't. You were talking to my business. And actually, it was... This was, say, 1997, so it was a, a very much a people business time then. It was a, a very early nascent form of a, of a different digital age. It was probably the third <coughs> industrial revolution, not the fourth that we're, we're, we're hitting now. And it required a lot of thought about the dynamic of the teams that were going to come in. So it was me, ideas, I could deliver none of this without the people that were going to be around me. And it was, I'm not going to lie to you, it was an extraordinarily bruising experience of self-discovery of uh, what I was good at and what I was bad at and very much kind of learning on the hoof in real time, a real war, war scenario. So that, that saw me through and I took that business from, from literally me and half a secretary and I think 
As I left it, I had about 140, 150 people working for me. Very proudly, I still do work with that company in the other guises and the other businesses I now work with. And it, it's now up to 650 people working in it. I still recognise that business. I recognise my philosophies that ran through that business and the structures that I put in. But pleasingly, it itself has grown out to now another multi-thousand, and it's the third largest of what it does in the UK. From that point, I just had this, this, this innate skill of, of helping people grow things, and that's that broad spectrum um, with Barnaby. We often banter with each other because we don't come from such different backgrounds that a lot of what I then got myself into was, was setting up marketing businesses, communication businesses, helping people tell their stories, take their businesses out, use those and harness those to grow, and actually then also operationally, and that's kind of where I've got to now. So Yeah, I've, I've, I've actually only done that once, whereas you've done it 10 times yeah, no, or 11 yeah. times so, or something. Just, you know, so having, 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 every time in the 10 times it gets to the point of, I'm fed up, I'm bored, I don't want to do this, I'm never going to do this again. And then entrepreneurialism is a slight drug, you do get sniffing back at the... So, <laughs> the I, so how, how many of you here um, have got businesses that have more than 10 people working for them? So there's a, f a few in the room. Uh, less than five. Only less than five. Uh, and how many of those are, are owner-operated businesses at the moment? Okay, so quite a few. So, so uh, I guess the emphasis is at the beginning end of this, isn't it? Um, Would that be useful for everybody if we start, start at the beginning of how you, how you grow a business from, from small to slightly large? Or are you interested in the, uh, the 2,500 uh, route? That's a nice place to get, but a very uncomfortable place to be. Is there a, is there a start point, do you think, Mark, for, for, for that from the beginning? Is there a beginning? Well, well, I mean, every journey is going to have a beginning by its nature. And that beginning, in the, the, the dynamic of how are you going to build a team, is, is going to be driven by, by many factors. You know, what it is you are doing, what are the people you're going to need around you to deliver it, how much of that you can do yourself. Obviously, the funding that you've got sitting in behind that that's going to allow you to develop out your, your, your speed to market, your, your growth and your scaling plans. But I think fundamentally, and I was thinking a lot about where this conversation was going to start, because it is such a broad <coughs> topic, that actually, I think it starts with your team. But actually, it's the T of team. And you've got to work out whether it's team me or team we. And if it needs to be team we, before you even get to a point of engagement of starting to launch the business out, you've actually got to think about how am, I going to, how am I going to build this team? How do I get the robustness in the business that's going to allow me to get the people around me to do what I want to do? Because if you don't, all you're going to do is just hit a whole series of glass ceilings of disappointment where you can't fully explore what it is you want to be. So actually, I think part of that bruising experience I had when I started my, my first business, and I was fortunate because I had funding, so I, I'll put that, but I've not on some of the subsequent businesses was very absolutely clear about why am I getting out of bed to do what I'm doing? Um, and it's part of my, my working culture. I, I get quite philosophical about the businesses that, that I work in and I own, and there's a purpose to those businesses. And if I understand what the, the big purpose is, and I can see where I need to get to on that big purpose, I can bring that back into the team I need to have around me and the people that I need that are going to support to help deliver that. And that starts getting into... Where do I get the funding from? Who are these people? What's the dynamic of the people I've got around me? And I think that... What, what, what do you mean by purpose? I don't, I, you know, explain to me what you mean by purpose. Well, to me, businesses sit on a, a spectrum of either being entirely transactional or if you're a, a start-up owner-operator, you've started that business because you've seen 
one thing out there that you either want to change, you want to benefit, you want to adapt, you want to grow, you want to be seen in a slightly different way, you know, so to build your distinctive nature of your business. Yep. And if you can't see that, a lot of, and sorry, this is a tangent to today, a lot of the purpose of why you're getting out of bed to do that business is going to get lost because people won't come on that journey with you because they don't see the, the nature of that journey. So if you look at, you know, some, some big brands, you know, that John Lewis versus Debenhams or Virgin Air versus BA or, you know, Gift Gaff phones versus Vodafone. What coffee shop you go into? You're making subconscious choices on those because you get behind the purpose of that company, and that might be the values of that company, it might be the, the culture of that company, it might be the story they're selling, it might be just the brand image that that company comes out. So to try and keep this back to teams, my big belief and what I've I've learned over over my my time of doing this of 25 30 years now is that I've got to make sure I know who are the people I need around me. And I'm very careful about the people that I bring along that journey with me. If I haven't got the money to bring those people in because I'm, I'm self-funding a business, it's very easy to then just get a roster of advisors because you go to family, friends, kith, kin, people around you who think, well, he's got useful knowledge, you'll be able to help me. But actually, are they helping you or are they becoming a hindrance in what, what you want to do? Because if they're not on that same journey, if they don't share that same purpose, what's their motivation to help you grow out and how do you build the, the one to the two to the three to the five to the ten to the plenty and when you do start getting to beyond the start and you're now trying to rescale that business, how do you start putting the tiers that you need to have in that business that grow those teams out into proper employee, proper structures and everything you need to go. And I absolutely believe to my bones that if you can't see that at the outset, if you don't understand <coughs> Why am I doing this? Who are the people I, I need to take with me? What are the tasks I need to be done on that, either on the here or the now? I just think you get lost, and they're quite critical losses. I, and I, I will readily state I made some very bad hires in my, my early days of people that I just thought were intellectually very good at the job they did, but they just weren't on my bus. They just were not on that journey with me. And I guess a couple of things I, I learned out of that. In, bear in mind, mine was the first was a big people business, so this might be quite specific to that was if I didn't get people that were delivering to what I needed them to, to do to take me on my journey, I felt that was a foul. What I, what I quickly found out was I got, I got quite dismissive of people that weren't on my bus, but I actually came to realise that actually the motivation of why people work is quite different. You know, we're owner-operators, we've started businesses, we have a care to, <coughs> to that business, because actually it's probably our cash that's sitting in it. If it's not ours, it's an investor's cash that's sitting, sitting there being vested with us. But actually, those that are working with us, they need to be energised, and they're not on that same journey. They're not on a journey of ownership. They're not on a journey of wealth creation or whatever that, that big idea that we've got out. They just need to be energised to actually feel that they're part of a team. Your broad spectrum of skills, it's not about the expertise that goes down. It's about the fact of how do you, how do you build those groups of people around you, re respecting some of those will want careers, Others are actually quite happy to turn up and So, and so essentially you're saying you, you've got to really start to demonstrate leadership and management of those people very early on. Yeah, you know, and driven by self-awareness. Um, okay, uh, and the self-awareness includes what? what, what I mean... Self-awareness knowing... Strengths, weaknesses? Is exactly that. that. You as a, <clears throat> as a person, how do you project yourself to other people? Do other people naturally cleave to you or do they get a little bit scared of you? Are you yeah, there's, a, there's a, any number of cartoons about the difference between a boss and a leader, but the, the, the one I love... Is, a, is an old Roman galleon, and you've got the boss up the front beating the drain, uh, drum, 
thrashing the, the people they're rowing. You've got the leader sitting down there actually rowing with, the, with everybody else. And it's that, that self-awareness. So what am I here to do? Do I want to be a remote boss? Because if you're going to be a remote boss, you're probably going to bring people around you that are not, in the long term, going to be committed to what you are. Or are you a leader? Are you going to get in? Are you going to take people down there? And that's that self-awareness <coughs> piece that just has to sit very deep and very honestly within you. Sorry. I've got a good question. How do you bring the right yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think the answer lay the other way around in that. If you don't have the vision in the first place to know why am I getting out of bed to do this, you won't ever identify the, the skills and the culture and the, the, the attitude of the people that you want to have around you. So you need to be very clear about those parts of it. And then within that, of 100% of the things you need to do in that business, well, here's the bits I can do, here's the people I need them to come along to do it with me. And actually, in a, in, in a functional sense, do I have the boundaries of knowing what I want that person to do? Because again, I think, as, as you quite eloquently said, Barnaby, that any startup, you know, one minute you're making the tea, the next minute you're sitting at a board meeting taking the minutes as the CEO. Or, you know. So what do you need people to do in that, in that spectrum? And actually, where are the boundaries that you feel you need to create around them that they have some direction that they can channel into to what you need? And again, this was, I make no bones, a mistake I made very early days. I had a, I had a, a small team, a young team. I had people that I felt were, were, were becoming in, in, in my business. But if I'm absolutely honest and I look back on it, I actually I strangulated them because I, I just expected that they were on the same journey as me and I, I didn't really communicate that so is this, very is, well. Is this about creating a kind of a, a, a culture around your, around your vision and your purpose? Actually exactly that. Bring a, it's exactly yeah. that. So t talk to a little bit about the culture. How do, you, how do you create a culture? If there's one of you, there's two of you. I mean, if there's one of you, how do you create a culture unless you grow it in the fridge on the cheese that you haven't eaten? Well, the culture as I define it is more about the business's culture rather than the people culture. But... It, it, it then embodies and embraces that. So the values that you want that business to be seen for. So my first business was very much a customer-focused, one-to-many, you know, a, a white label, vanilla-esque. You're phoning up one telephone number, you're speaking to one brand, another brand, and a different brand. But sitting behind that, there were a set of values I, I wanted the people in that business to have when they were delivering that to customer. And that's just about <coughs> providing good service and giving good service. So it was very much about me being able to communicate to them what that culture needs to look like and actually not beat them down if they weren't meeting that culture but help them on a journey to understand what that culture needs to look like but actually be realistic enough to know that if we're getting to the end of that and they're not going to get into that culture that probably our time with each other is done you know, and not, not be brutal and unkind about it and just the boss thing you know, just whip people out of business and let's bring another another slave in, but it was just helping people understand that this wasn't quite the place they needed so, to be. Or So giving people an opportunity to embrace the values, follow the purpose, f fulfil a role. If they don't fit, you would get rid of them fairly quickly, would you? Um, you, you, you would help them, help them either adapt to get into that culture, or if they're not going to adapt, make yeah. that quite obvious. That, and and, that, that's, and no, that's not in any, any brutal, let's take people out, nasty sort of way.
But I think when you're small and there's only three or four of you and one of them is a bad apple, actually it poisons everyone very quickly. Yeah, and, I, and, I, and, and to be frank, that's a decision you can't, um, back to the, the lady's question, you know, that, that's absolutely vital that you get that right because if you don't get that right, and I've seen this with friends of mine that have set yeah. partnerships up, absolutely. where they go in as, as business associates thinking they're friends yeah. and it's actually only when they live together in this business, you, you, the one bad apple or two bad apples start coming out. And, and that's just crippling. And they, they spend all of their time fighting to get this person either on board or off board and not even thinking about the business. Or the, or the, or the customers or wherever. So you're spending a lot of time so far on, on the people in your business, the team that you're growing. Is that, is, what, what about you? Do you ever think about yourself? All the time. <laughs> not in that sense. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, and, and that's that self-awareness bit. And, I, and again, I, I, I urge, it was, this was my, my journey of discovery and it was... It hit some quite painful points about things I thought that people thought about me because, yeah, bear in mind I had 20 years of sitting as a senior executive where I was at the top of a food chain and suddenly I'm now setting a business up where I'm a servant to those people. And you find out very quickly about who your real friends are and who your, your actual enemies are and they're, they're not the people you expect them to be. So you have to have that, that self-awareness, that self-analysis and a lot of that is about... You know, in today's capabilities, embracing things like this, you know, getting mentors, getting people around you that actually, if they, even if they, even if they don't know what you do for a living, they can actually give you good personal advice about who you are, what you do. You know, there's any, any amount of psychometric testing that can sit out there to put you into, help you understand your own personality types. And so I, I, I think, you know, that, that, yes, you have to keep thinking about yourself because if you're not thinking about who you are, and perhaps what you're changing into. And again, I've seen this countless times as I've seen businesses grow, that the owner-operator that starts as this good-spirited person with a culture suddenly gets a little bit of cash in the back pocket, a bit of power, and you know they've appeared in the newspapers a couple of times and getting a bit of reputational worth around them, and they turn into ogres. They just turn into these people, I don't recognise these people. And I, so I think a lot of it is about actually having a very deep sincerity about who you are yourself, having a, a real belief in what your values are, and always bring in everything you build around that team dynamic, around the people that you've got with me, back to those dynamics. I know those dynamics need to evolve because actually you can't, you know, I got, sorry, in my business, I, I got to a place, I knew everyone's first name, I knew you know, husband, <laughs> wife's name, the dog's name, and everything else, but suddenly 150 people, you don't know these people, but no. you've, got to, you've got to be able to portray to them that you're all part of that team. So if I pay a compliment back to the business that I grew up in, from 50 to 2,500, I never realised I had 2,500 people working around me. I still felt I had 50 people working around me because my governor was an absolute art. You know, he had a master's degree in this stuff. He was a professor at it. And he was a brilliant man because he just made that effort to get inside that team, inside the dynamics of the people that, that were in that team. And something we, we, we almost touched on a, a moment ago, and it's probably good to, to say it now, was actually he gave all of us ownership over that business. He was always the governor, but he was a great listener, which I think is another part of this, this bit that you've got to get in there. You need to be able to communicate, but you've got to listen. You've got to let people have an opportunity to speak. And again, you, know, you, you sit in any environment. You go from the, the egoist who sits in the middle of it and wants every voice to be his to the wallflower that won't say a word. Your job of building that team is you've got to deal with the wallflowers and you've got to hold the egoist down a little bit. And you've got to make sure that somewhere in the middle of that, everybody's got a, share a fair share of a voice that's going on. Because you fail at that, you build a very extraordinarily imbalanced team. And you lose the good out of people. And, and, if, and you know, if I pride myself in one thing in my self-analysis, I'm a good listener. 
if you come into a meeting with me, you'll probably find I don't speak for the first 15, 20 minutes because I just want to hear people. I just want to hear what's going on around. And then you start picking your comments and, and actually, you, you know, you say one thing well, not a million things badly, you know. I think also when you're, when you're starting out, you're tempted to other people who've got the same level of energy as you. So you don't get as many wallflowers at the beginning. Everybody's active, everybody's trying yeah, to do things, and it's all a bit yeah. crazy, isn't it? And, and I, I think that's absolutely right, Barnaby, and I think that's a part of that growing thing. You know, you've got to bring people that are a slight mirrors of you when you're starting, because if you're not, you can have challenges, and I think somebody who challenges you, I think it's very good to get those people in, but actually if you've got somebody who's, who's just not another little mirror of you, then you're going to lose energy, you're going to lose bounce. Going on. And Frank, he keeps putting his hand up. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, I was kind of curious about the uh, T-shaped model. And I wonder, given that that was initiated some time ago, whether you feel with people's careers becoming more compressed, some would say portfolio, do you think people are becoming multiple little T's joined together? And I guess, would you say that's uh, an, e an evolution that's positive? I mean, when you mentioned Richard Branson, uh, arguably he was a bit of a mix of lots of things. You could say the same about Bezos, even though he started with books as an offering. So I just wondered, where do you riff on the Future of teas. <laughs> I, I, the future of tea. I love the future of tea. <laughs> I'm not a coffee man. Um, no, I, I, I think that's ever more relevant today. And I actually, oh, yes, right. I really, I enjoy more working in 2019 than I probably did in 1999 because we don't have linear careers. You know, you, you don't get in a place and you go to that place, you go to that place. There's just a boundless, boundaryless amount of opportunity for people to, to self-explore. And actually, as the, the employer or the owner or the bringer in, it allows you to engage with people in a slightly different way because they're coming in on a portfolio and they want to do one good thing well. And actually, it makes that bit, if they're not quite on that bus, you know, both know easier when you want to get off that bus because, yeah, you've done it. Thank you ever so much. And you build, fr I, I, I see more friendships in business now. So uh, uh, one last thing, and then we'll, we'll bring on a couple of, uh, we've got a couple of businesses in the room who volunteer to come up and, uh, and set us their challenges, so we'll, we'll, we'll do that as well. But maybe one last thing, we're talking a lot about people, what about the business systems and processes? Is that, is that of any relevance to, to, to building a team, do you think, going forward? Well, they are, because they, they're, they're, they're the things that set the rules by which the people operate. So if, you're, if you don't have a mind's eye to it, you'll have a lot of really motivated people, but they're not quite sure what it is they're doing in their world. So you've got to have some kind of regime that people are working to in that. Yeah, again, depending on what different businesses you're doing, but certainly in the businesses where I particularly work around financial services, you know, it's a regulated industry in the first place. So you've absolutely got to have a lot of conduct risk, risk check and balances that are going on, and compliance is a, is, is a very key part of that. But... I like the fact that the, the systems and the processes become kind of handrails of what you're trying to do as a business, not the handcuffs that force you to do certain things in a certain way. You know, if you, you get to any, and I think all of you in this room should have that, that same thing if, as budding entrepreneurs, is, you know, you just keep asking people why and why not. And do, you, do you set the handrails right from the first off? Do you, or do you, do you wait till you've got three people, five, no, ten yeah, people? When, when do you start doing that? You, you, you have to, if, if you're going to get this culture bit right, you've got to set rules and boundaries and expectation from day one. Right. But what you never do is set them in stone. They're always ever best written in pencil or at worst crayon. Just don't do it in pen because that, that becomes a rule and that rule becomes a legislation and that becomes the wrong place to be. And I think if you would go back to the bit about portfolios, if you need people to come on this journey, you need the ability to let these people flourish. 
And I think in, in a world where the rate of change is seven times faster than it was 10 years ago, it's probably going to be seven times faster again in another 10 no, years. So you need yeah. to adapt yeah. very quickly. Yeah. Great. Well, let's, let's uh, we've got, go. One, one question, then we'll get the guys up. If I may quote you now. Thanks very much. Um, how do you get comfortable letting go? So the, the, question, get comfortable? The, the question is how do you get comfortable before letting go, yeah? Yeah. Well, you have to learn to let go. <laughs> and then you become comfortable. Yeah. Because, oh, well, I mean, it's, it's, sorry, it's a truism, but I mean, it, 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 I think that's one of the biggest mistakes business owners put in because there's a passion and it's, it's mine and I've got to keep a grip around that. Uh, and again, I'll, you know, a small kind of anecdotal story. That first business I set up grew very quickly from naught to about 50 and then it stagnated. And it actually took a friend of mine who had no, no right to say to me what, what he said. I got quite upset at the time. He said, he said um, when are you going to let your staff come to meetings? I said, well, they do come to meetings. He said, yeah, but then you're there. <laughs> yeah, well, I need to be there. He said, no, you don't. He said, I don't want you there. He said, your staff are really capable. Well, yeah, yeah, and, I, and I'm getting all a bit bristly here because I'm thinking, no, this is not right, this is my business. You can't talk to me like this. But I went away, and then he was a very good friend, and I went away and reflected on it a while. And actually, exactly to your point, I said, no, he's right. If I can't let people breathe, if I can't let my team explore what they're getting out of this business, well, two things are going to happen. They become demotivated, and I lose the benefit of their capabilities and ideas coming into, into the business. So in a, in a slightly kind of, not to say snidey way, because that's not the right way of putting it, but I can't think of another word, in a surreptitious way, what I did was I would start introducing concepts. And by this time, you know, I've got 50 to 80 people now in the business. I started exploring concepts with them of, you know, it wouldn't be a good idea if, but just let things then digest out for a while. So you still haven't let go then? Yeah, no, 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 no. But then you'd, you'd have a little listening ear and then you'd put a little group together to talk about stuff. And actually, the great thing was, go back to, I would listen. Because by the time you got to that part, by literally and genuinely giving ownership to those people, they're talking about the topic that I've introduced in. So I've thrown the ripple in the pond, you know, the penny in the pond, but they've taken the ripple part of it out. And actually, they've taken ownership over the decision that they feel the business needs to make. Which, you know, I am the owner of the business and I, I, I have got to worry about it because it is my cash at the end of the day. But how lovely that, that they felt and voluntarily have come onto that journey and those decisions and those things. And that just, that's the bit I still see when I go back to that business and it's 600 plus now. Mark, thank you very, very much. I think the things we touched on today is, uh, and I've written them down here, is first of all, to, to build a, a better team, you've got to be clear about the direction and the ambition of the business with whoever you're, you're engaging with. It's absolutely, you need to be prepared to manage the people and help guide them and be visible. If it's remote, be visible, but actually be prepared to manage people, help guide them. The third thing there was create and lead a culture around the value in the business. So actually, it's the values in the business. Make sure you build a culture around that. Uh, put people first, but don't forget yourself. Get a mentor. Actually, the Guild of Entrepreneurs, that's why we're all here. We're looking to help mentor people. That's actually why we joined the Guild, because we've been there, done that. We love working with uh, young entrepreneurial businesses. If you, at the, in the drinks afterwards, just... Anybody who looks old, go and talk to them if you need a mentor. You know, they're, probably part of the, they're probably part of the guild, uh, and uh, we will be avoiding anybody who looks young. So, you know, it's, it's just the way it goes. Um, but that's what the guild is about. That's why we set up the guild originally. Everybody here um, has, has recognised that they have some skills to share with people. Just go and talk to people, tell everybody what it is, do some of the things. Um, do document your businesses and systems and processes. I think we talked about that. Um, and communicate fully and actively listen all of the time. Um, things will change and you will have to as well as you're growing your business. Things are not going to be the same. 
um, in six months' time, even two months' time. Um, I've been Barnaby Winter of the Guild of Officers. Mark, thank you very much. Nice. 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 Absolutely.